everywhere. No! No! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, I'm soaking wet. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! That went about as well as expected. Yes! <clears throat> <laughs> and we thought we would celebrate with some, <laughs> some champagne. <laughs> some very wet champagne. Are you okay? I'm going to be sticky for They're like a week. They're going to be very sticky. <clears throat> Someone's going to need a bath during the break. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Yay us. <laughs> we should have known better. <laughs> We should have put towels down oh, preemptively. Man. It's everywhere. We should have. Oh, God. I'm just going to put it down and sit on it. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> there you go. You can put that one down. There you go. Just, there we go. Oh, my gosh. So, welcome <laughs> to Conspiracies and Cryptids. Welcome We're to our... <laughs> to Sammy's Sticky Lap. <laughs> our very sticky podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So... <clears throat> Yes, thank you to all of our uh, our 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 new Patreon. Uh, yes, uh, thank you to our patrons. We've we got um, three new patrons yes. this week. We've got Jason, we've got Karen, and we've got my father, Glenn. Hey, Glenn! So my dad Hi. is officially one of our patrons, Yay. and we're super excited. And oh my gosh. Thank you to all of our patrons. That's so exciting. Um, Thank you guys. This we, is so exciting. We also are new on. We've got Spotify now. Yeah, we're we've reached a thousand downloads. Uh-huh. Next stop, let's go for five thousand downloads. Right. We also got let's our first it. iTunes review. Oh, we did. Yeah. Oh, so we got like a nice five star review. <gasps> Thank you. I know. Oh, that's so nice of you. Super exciting. Oh my gosh. I'm just gonna be like dabbing at my pants all night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So we should probably we pour, should some pour some of this some champagne. This. Just a little bit for me. Yay. I don't need a lot. Yeah, clearly, because you know you lush. And no. Yeah, God, it's such a lush. No. We just got back from the coolest tour. Oh yeah, yeah. I posted the pictures on yes. our Facebook and our Instagram, so people know. So they're expecting us to talk about it. Yes. So we just took a like tour of old Sacramento's underground because um, Sacramento back in like the 1800s, mm-hmm. it like suffered a major flood and they had several, yeah, several major floods and they actually built the city up by like about 25 feet yes. over like a decade or over about like 20 years or something like uh, that. About 15, 15 years it took to build uh, <laughs> build it up and as they said or they claim that no one died as a result of uh, of lifting the city. But yeah, but they didn't keep track of minorities no. and people of color. They it only kept track of rich white, white people and yeah. so no white people died during yes. the building but Therefore, probably, probably minorities Exactly. Let's be real. But it was a really, really, really cool tour, and it's very safe to go down there now. They've like retrofitted everything, Mm -hmm. and you can see like how they used to cross the street because they lifted the streets first. Yeah. And you would have to like go down. So they lifted the streets first, and then they lifted the buildings, mm -hmm. and then they lifted the sidewalks. Filled all. So it's like at first you had to climb down to go to the buildings, then you had to climb down and then up again to go to the buildings, and then they finally. It's very muddy. It sounded very yeah. But um, it was just such an interesting tour. Um, we would definitely recommended to anybody who's interested in like history and you know like the seedy underbelly of like Sacramento, big cities of Sacramento. Yes. So it was um it was really cool and we highly recommend it. Absolutely. It was very cool. Uh, yeah, the Sacramento uh, underground <laughs> tour uh, after hours because we are adults and yeah. we quote hate children. So the after hours tour <laughs> is um it's like 21 and over because it ends at like one of the local saloons. Yeah. Um but and you get like a little shot glass at the end and it's super awesome. We yeah. got we got to keep Sammy's cuz Sammy puts his in his pocket, and I unfortunately broke mine. <laughs> so we've got one to share. But yeah, we've got um, one to share. But yeah, so the 21 and up tour was cool because there's, like, no kids yeah. on it. And, and they give you the nitty-gritty and uh, they, the they talk of seedy underbelly. Like, the like we said, they talk city. about more of the darker things in this yes. town's history, so it's, like, stuff that's probably not really kid-friendly. But they yeah. do have a daytime tour for people who have children and want to take their kids along with, so. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. It was very interesting. It was and, super cool. Uh, yeah. 
it was it was a joy. It was a joy. So uh, it's nice to get a little bit of a history in the city that uh, that I grew up in, yeah. and to get like a little extra, like wow, my city was really like badass. So, <laughs> so super cool, super cool, great yeah. idea. We'll have to do another one. But yeah, so um, so welcome back to Conspiracies and Cryptids. Um, yes. This is a show where usually Tessa talks about a conspiracy yes. and I, Sammy, talk about a cryptid. Yes, you do. We don't tell each other nope. what our topics are. I know a couple of people have asked about that. Um, we don't tell each other what our topics are, so all of our reactions are very genuine because we're I, I'm learning about Tessa's cryptid as she's telling me about it and vice versa. Yes, so. absolutely. It's, been, it's an entirely new experience and usually Sammy, like because cryptids are scary, and Sammy always tries to scare me with them, <laughs> and he succeeds every time. Because usually we record kind of later at night, and Tessa has to go to bed afterwards. And you do it on of... purpose. And that's my conspiracy <laughs> is that you do it on purpose. But I, uh, so I usually I'm I'm trying to come up with a couple to scare him with. Okay. Them, so we'll see. I don't know if I will get him this time, but maybe next time. We'll I see. hope you do eventually. <clears throat> so, but there, like, I even specifically typed out scary conspiracy. Oh, did you? I didn't. It didn't get me very far, but I got oh. I got a couple. So well, that's too bad. Yeah, but uh, but I'll get there. I will. You'll. I'm sure you'll freak me out eventually, or make me at least question. Next. You know, have like existential dread or something Absolutely. like that. So. Yes. All right, we'll so what we do to start out, for those of you who are new listeners, is we flip a coin to see who goes first. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have a penny that we call our penny for our thoughts. Penny for your thoughts. Um, so we put it in the shot glass now, so we'll just, instead of like trying to flip it and losing the penny, we're just going to like shake it up and flip it over. Yahtzee. Yahtzee. <laughs> Yahtzee. Yahtzee. <laughs> All right, so... You okay. picked last time, right. so I'll pick. Okay, so right, I call it heads. Is it flipping around? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's definitely flipping around. Heads. Heads. Okay, so I Yay. get to go first. You get to go first. <clears throat> Excellent. All right. So my conspiracy, or not my conspiracy, <laughs> my cryptid is one that I have been dying to talk about since um, since we came up with this. Okay. It um it has its Origins back to the sixth century in Scotland. <gasps> I am talking about the Loch Ness monster. Yay! I'm so excited! Yay! <laughs> the oh. Loch Ness monster has been my favorite cryptid since I was old enough to know what it was. She's in our logo. She is. Nessie is literally my favorite. Good. I didn't want to start out with Nessie because I felt like that'd be too predictable to all the people who knew me. Yes, of course. So, of course. so I saved it, but I couldn't wait anymore. Yay! <laughs> oh, I'm so excited because you're excited about this one. And that <laughs> makes me excited about this one. And I've got a bunch of pictures with this one, so there will be a lot of pictures up on the blog and yes. the Instagram and stuff once the episode posts. I'm so. listening intently. And, it, he, and yes. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ride Nessie into the sunset, sunset <laughs> like Bigfoot with his finger in the I'm air. I'm going to try to get, like, I have a toy of Nessie from when I was a kid. Oh! And I'm going to try to have my parents send it to me so we can Cute. have something else for the Post office. Post it, absolutely. We need a shelf. We do need a shelf, like, Found right up Ikea, here. $8. Yeah. Perfect. So, okay. yeah. So, as early as the 6th century in Scotland, a culture known as the Picts, P-I-C-T-S, carved a likeness of what was then known as the Pictish Beast onto large stones that came known as the Pictish Stones. Uh, carvings of this beast account for 40% of all Pictish animal descriptions and were also present on jewelry and brooches that may even date back to the 1st and 2nd century. Oh. So this this is old. This is. This is yeah. old. Um, this beast has been part of local legend for centuries but didn't come into the worldwide public eye until the early 1930s. You may affectionately know her as Nessie, which is the name that she got in the 40s. <clears throat> so Nessie is usually described as a large, or has like a large elephant or hippo-like body, um, a long, narrow neck, slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk, about 10 to 12 feet long, um, a small head that's somewhat horse-like in some mm -hmm. descriptions, and then flippers instead of legs. She's really rather small. She's smaller than I thought she well, would be. Well, her body is usually like 20 or 30 feet long. I see. So it's like you've got to think of like a 10 to 12 foot long neck attached to like a 20 foot yes. body. So, okay. yeah, so all body. total got like it. 24 feet, yeah. you know, 50 feet long. About as long as my, my how old house is tall. Yeah. I'd say. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's a good size. decent okay. size. So the first known written sighting of Nessie 
was recorded in a book called The Life of St. Columba. It was written in the late 600s by a man named Adaman, and he told the story of St. Columba's visit to Scotland to bring Christianity to the Picts in 565 A.D. Oh, According to the book, St. Columba encountered local Picts burying a man by the Ness River, or the River Ness. They explained to him that the man had been swimming, and he was mauled in the water, and that the beast had dragged him underneath the water. But by the time his friends got to him, he was already dead. Oh, no! So Columba, being the brave, amazing man that he was, he sent one of his followers to go swim in the river. Mm. He didn't do it. Oh, oh, oh. He goes... Hey, uh, you're one of my loyal followers. Go go swim across that river for me. As as no. as the man swam across, the water beast approached him. No. But St. Columba threw oh. a Hail Mary, oh. made the sign of the cross, oh. and said, Go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once. Whoa. Surprisingly, the creature, as if pulled back with ropes, stopped and fled. All onlookers saw this as a miracle, and this was part of the reason the the Pictish people converted to Christianity. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. Huh. So that's the earliest, like, known... Oh, wow. ...sighting that of was written down. Nasty. ...was in the 500s. Mauling somebody. Yeah, mauling somebody. Ooh. The next big sighting wasn't until 1933 by a oh. man named George Spicer. Wow, she disappeared for a while. Like, there were, like, little bitty sightings yeah. here and there, but nothing huh. really recorded. Mm. It was just kind of local legend. Yeah. 1933, though, was the beginning of her popularity. Mm -hmm. A new road had been constructed along the shore of Loch Ness that offered a clear view of its northern shore for the first time to drivers. On July 22nd, or May 2nd, depending on where you looked, because, you know, once again, every place tells me something different. Um, George Spicer and his wife were driving across the road, and George said that he saw... A most extraordinary form of animal. The couple went on to describe that it had a large body about four feet high and 25 feet long, with a long, wavy, narrow neck, slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk, and as long as 12 foot width of the road. It crossed the road towards the lock about 28 meters away. So it was on land, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was crossing the street. Like, like, kind of like, you know, when you, like that that clip of like the seals bouncing around, I imagine it kind of like that. Ooh, like, okay, I see. Like, yeah. Kind of using Flopping its, around. With its, like, like a really wiggly head, probably. Yeah, probably. That's, ooh, that's kind of freaky. A little looking. bit. Yeah. Interesting. It would be interesting. Hmm. Um, later that year, on November 12th, a man named Hugh Gray took the first known photograph of Nessie. It was blurry, but was noted that you could see a dog's head in it. Oh. It's thought that since Gray brought his dog with him that day, perhaps the photo was just a picture of the dog fetching a stick from the lock. Yeah. 30 years later, upon closer inspection of contact positives of the original negative, it was found to be a photo of an otter rolling at the surface of the water. Oh, Um, weird. I think I've got that picture. Okay, so this was the picture that Hugh Gray took. Like I said, very blurry, but you can see like a weird shape in the water. But yeah, Yeah. it turns out it was just just an an otter otter rolling around on the surface. Rolling around. Being an otter. Doing what otters do. Just otterly adorable. (laughs) Just... It's utterly adorable. Utterly adorable. Okay, so on January 5th of 1934, Arthur Grant was driving near the village of... This is a Scottish name. I'm Uh going to butcher it. I should have asked one of my Scottish friends. Uh, Abriachan? Abrican? I don't know. Okay. So Scottish people, if we've got any Scottish listeners, please correct me. Don't yell at me, but just tell me me what I did wrong. Gently, just gently tell us what we did wrong. So yeah, but he was, in a very Scottish way, please. Yeah. So he was he was driving around this village around 1 a.m. when he almost hit the creature as it was once again crossing the road towards the lock. So apparently it must... It goes on these, like, jolly Excursions. Sunday strolls through the woods or something. Sunday wiggles. Right, Sunday wiggles. He described it as sort of a cross between a seal and a plesiosaur with oh. a small head attached to a long neck. He sketched the creature, but a zoologist named Maurice Burton claimed it was just an otter or a seal that was misidentified due to the poor light at 1 a.m. Maurice, you have no (laughs) imagination. Apparently not. Uh, Okay, so then on April 21st, this was a few months later, 1934, um, 
an edition of the Daily Mail, which still exists, yeah. but this was like an actual edition of it. Okay. A photograph that was then known as the Surgeon's Photograph was published. The photographer, Robert Wilson, at the time refused to have his name associated with it. Um, and as he was a gynecologist, it went on to be known as the Surgeon's Photograph. So he, he basically, he didn't want his good name being... Like, like drug through the drug, like uh, basically he didn't want his name to be like <laughs> drug through the lock. He didn't want his name to be like you know related to weird things. So he was just like, you know, here's a photo, just don't put my name on it. Oh, um, Wilson claimed that he was just chilling, looking at the lock when he saw the monster. He quickly took four photos, but only two came out clearly, and only one of those two wasn't blurry. And it went on to be the most famous picture of Nessie to date. Ah. Which is we this know one. is that one. It's yes. the famous one. The famous one. That's part of that it weird is. amalgamation is. that we've got. I love that picture. I do too. It's my favorite. Bigfoot <clears throat> riding, riding off into the monster. sunset on Nessie's back. Flipping, flipping the bird. Flipping the bird to a UFO yep. flying overhead. I love that picture. Whoever made that picture? They were we really good you. with Photoshop. Okay, so the photo caused a lot of controversy for a year, as some took it as irrevocable proof of the monster's existence, where some claimed it was driftwood, an elephant, an otter, or some form of waterfowl. Hmm. The photo is often cropped to show the creature up close, and it makes the creature and ripples around it seem larger than they are. In 1993, so years later, um, Discovery Communications launched a documentary entitled Loch Ness Discovered that analyzed the uncropped image and found a small white object that appeared to be on the negative that could have been the cause of the wake. They were also able to determine that the creature in the photo was actually only around two or three feet long. Oh. But because it's usually cropped, it looks bigger. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I was thinking. It, like, yeah. it, and it does seem like it looks a lot bigger than yeah. it is, but it is rather rather small. So in 1999... Even at 20 or 30 feet. Yeah. yeah. In 1999, a book called Nessie, The Surgeon's Photograph Exposed, was published detailing how the photo was taken and the elaborate hoax behind it, as well as their motives. Turns out that the creature was a modified toy submarine with a head and neck made of wood putty. Ha! <laughs> it was built by a man named Christian Sperling, who was the son-in-law of a spurned director named Marmaduke Weatherall. Oh, not Marmaduke to be, Weatherall. Not to, be cons- not to be confused with Marmaduke the dog. Oh. <laughs> no, Marmaduke Weatherall seems like a rather more posh person right. than, a, than a clumsy dog right. who's, who's in trouble all the time. <laughs> So apparently, Weatherall had found Nessie footprints and published an article in the Daily Mail where he had worked at the time, only to find out that they were a hoax. Now, whether or not he was the one that planted them or if he was just, you know, unlucky enough to stumble across them, we don't know. But we just know that he found them and he published an article about it and it was found out that they were a hoax. He was then publicly ridiculed by the Daily Mail. Oh, grab your pitchforks. And they fired him. Ah, so, with yeah, pitchforks. Which, with pitchforks. <laughs> that's, that's the old-timey old firing. Old-timey firing, yep. <laughs> so in attempts to seek out revenge on his father-in-law's behalf, Sperling and Wilson concocted this plan to create a hoax and make the Daily Mail look ridiculous. Yeah, well, the Daily Mail is a little ridiculous. I mean, a little bit. Okay. So, I, hear, I hear they don't have the best reputation. Eh, who so, does, what, what, who does these days? Yeah, right? <laughs> so, in August 15th of 1938, a man named William Fraser, who was the chief constable of Ivernessshire, penned a letter stating that he not only believed without a doubt that the monster was real, but he was concerned about a hunting party that had recently come to town um, to hunt the, the creature with a special harpoon gun that they had oh. made just for Nessie. Uh-oh. He said he wanted to protect the creature, but was doubtful that he had any power to do so. Oh. Okay, the next one is one of my favorites. It's known as the Loch Ness Muppet. Oh. On May 21st, 1977, Anthony Doc Shields, the same one from the Owl Man. Remember, oh, remember Mr. Shields? yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Okay. So he was, as we stated before, an artist, writer, and magician. Uh-huh. And now a psychic as well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, God. This guy's resume is fantastic. <laughs> so he took some of the clearest pictures of the monster to this day. Oh. While camping near, oh, God, another Scottish name that I forgot about. Uh-oh. 
Urquhart, U-R-Q-U-H-A-R-T, Urquhart or Urquhart, I don't know, Castle. Okay. He claims that he summoned Nessie out of the water and described it, described it as an elephant-like squid. He an stated that the- Elephant-like <laughs> squid. Right. He claimed that the long neck is actually the squid's elephant trunk. Oh. <laughs> and that the white spot at the base of the trunk is its eye. Wait, what? <clears throat> at the... Yeah. Ba- yep. That's weird. Yep. That's really weird. The photo gained the nickname of the Loch Ness Muffet due to the, fa- <laughs> due to the fact that the photo looks so staged and fake. <laughs> <laughs> so he's saying that's the eye. Ah! No! And that this is its no. trunk. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. It looks super, super fake, so it's no wonder oh. that it got that nickname. Oh my gosh, it's like a stupid periscope. Right? But I mean, it's you like, know, it's that's... The eyes are on the side, it's not even on the... the I'm actually trunk. kind of disappointed that an artist, writer, magician, and psychic couldn't have come up with something better. Come on, man. Come, come on, on, Shields. Doc Shields. Doc Shields. All right, so... This next part, this next account is um, about a man named Robert Rines, um, and it takes place in 1972, 1975, 2001, and 2008. Robert Rines led multiple research groups on expeditions of Loch Ness in search of the monster. Um, through the use of sonar and underwater submarines, they caught multiple sightings of large objects. Excuse me. Ugh. And even got a picture of what looks like a rhomboid flipper. Oh. Yeah, I'll show yeah. you that picture real quick, because that, that's super cool. But oh, you can't see a lot in Loch Ness because it's so murky. Oh. But Ooh. I remember seeing that picture as a kid. Weird. Yeah. Ooh. So they actually got a couple of pictures like that. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. So looks like a flipper. That's weird. Um. I don't, I don't know what you would even see that on. That's very strange. Yeah. It's very prehistoric looking. So, but then in the during the 2008... Um, expedition, Ryan's concluded that the creature might have died due to the steady decline in new sightings or sonar mm. findings. You know, they just, they haven't had any sightings in a long time. Um, you know, nobody... wasn't washed up, you know, belly up somewhere. Well, I mean, the lock is so big and true. so deep. It's one of the largest lakes in the world. That is true. Largest freshwater lakes true. in the world. So it's like, there have been some sonar readings where they thought they saw like a corpse lying on the ground, or the lake bed. Mm. So, um... Yeah, I took, like, a bunch of... When I was doing my research, I, they actually had a couple of sites that had, like, full sonar um, readings of what the bottom of the lake looked like. Oh, so you right. could actually take, like, a tour of what the lake looks like. Ooh. It was really neat. That's strange. Yeah. But gosh, could you imagine, like, swimming up on something, like, that big and that dead and that decaying? That's gross. Well, by now it's probably just bones. Bone and... But, yeah, I mean, but at some point... Yeah. It was, like, rotting. Yeah. That's but some Ooh. explanations as to what it might be uh-huh. will go from least interesting to my favorite. Okay. So first off is birds. Birds. Or waterfowl. I've never seen birds do that. Well, okay. I mean, ducks That's have true. ducks and geese have the long, weird necks. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It's maybe. Birds. It could be bird. Yeah. But, I mean, was your, where's your imagination? Yeah. Eels. Eels. Now like that's large creative. eels, large freshwater eels. That's creative. An elephant. An elephant. An elephant in Scotland. Yeah. For this long. Yeah. Now I mean, maybe I mean, somebody. The sixth maybe century? somebody brought an elephant out there and just was like, "Go swim in the lake, so I can take some pictures." I don't know. Hmm. Possible freshwater shark. Which no. there are some known cases of some freshwater okay. sharks. They're very uncommon, no. but there has been. That's one of the theories: is it might be a freshwater shark. Weird. Um, large catfish. Um, there are some cases where catfish can get very, very large. So large catfish. Um, resident animals such as otter, deer, and other birds. So some people say it might just be a swimming deer. Could be. Okay. And then my favorite, a plesiosaur. A plesiosaur. Oh, yeah, no, that's clearly what it is. It's a plesiosaur. That's what I want it to that's be. That's what it, it is. It it's is. Gotta be. If it is, it so, is. So, and I do, okay, I, I would end it here, mm-hmm. but there has been a recent update. Oh. So, as of this year, plans are in motion to start conducting eDNA tests or environmental DNA tests in order to see what can be found in the lock, living or otherwise. Oh, I've heard of this. 
it? Yeah, so water samples are taken at varying depths and are currently being analyzed to see what kinds of DNA they might find. Expectations include bacteria, algae, invertebrates, fish, birds, and other species that live in and around the lock. I've heard of that, yeah. Researchers are looking to see if they'll find any unusual readings of species that may have lived in the lock previously, such as, excuse me again, giant catfish, sturgeon, eel, or unknown species, possibly even proof that Nessie may have been at one point real. Hmm. We'll find out in the coming months what research found, but it won't be out for a couple months, but you can, you better believe that I will either be talking about it on here or posting about it on the Facebook group. Or both. Or both. Absolutely. How cool. Loch Ness Monster, like I said, is, it's always been one of my favorites. And apparently when I was like three or four, Mm -hmm. My family went to Loch Ness because <gasps> oh. my dad was stationed in England when oh. I was a baby, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we lived there until I was four. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, apparently we went to Loch Ness, and I don't remember any of it. Yeah, I wouldn't expect you to. Uh, I mean, I remember child. some things remember some from when things, I was four, but, but not the th- most important thing. No, no, not at all. <sighs> like um, I remember, you know, I remember a friend showing me a little turtle that was apparently a tortoise, not a turtle. A tortoise. A tortoise. tortoise. And I remember my mother spilling milk on the counter. And uh, on the turtle? No, just oh. on the counter in the kitchen. And I went in and, in a British accent, go, you spilled your milk all over the furniture. I remember things like that, but I don't remember Loch Ness. Oh, British children Curse my four-year-old brain oh. for not remembering more. Oh. But yeah, so that's the Loch awesome. Ness monster. And well, very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we want to, we want to take a break. We'll take a quick break. Quick break. And then, and then uh, we'll come back. We'll come back. Yay. Yay. Stay right there. We'll be right back. Okay. We're back. We're back. So, yeah, we were in the burn, like, on our break and, you know... We are talking about our uh, our experience earlier. Just want to briefly uh, yeah. touch back on our little tour that we went on in the old sack. Um, and how women, because there was a really long time in the gold rush, men rushed here mm-hmm. to go find the gold. So that mm-hmm. means that there ended up being, what was it, like one, one for, for every... One for every 10 to 100 men. Yeah. One woman for every 10 to 100 men. There were like no ladies around here. So anytime a woman showed up, it was like, woohoo! Yeah. And the only women that were here were... Were prostitutes. Were but, sex well, workers. Sex Horizontal <laughs> experts. Yeah, you can't call them prostitutes. That's apparently demeaning, so apparently. you have to call them sex workers. Okay, sex workers. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, We're learning. We're learning. So, uh, but yeah, it was really interesting. It was, uh, um, and how women, they, yeah, she was a sex worker, but she, uh, owned like three properties yeah. and like she's making more money than any other woman in the the town. So, yeah. So, and even really than some of the men. So yeah, yeah, some <clears throat> yeah. Of the, yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. So um you know entrepreneurial women. Yeah. Good on ya. Good on ya. So okay. Now on to my topic. Okay. So I can I cover the con- <clears throat> the conspiracies. You went first with your cryptid, which was awesome. Yes. Good old so, Nessie. Um, I have a weird fascination with retrofuturism and the whole Adam Punk aesthetic. It right. just drives me nuts in a creatively passionate oh, way. Oh, I love it too. It's yeah. just, it's so, it's the overactive imagination of people looking optimistically and creatively at the future, expecting right. in a matter of decades to reach incredible atomic potential. Right. Granted, advancements in technology, you know, happen so quickly that um, we're, like, pretty damn close to where we thought we would be. Yeah. Realistically, in a lot of cases, sometimes you go back and look through some of the things in the 60s, and it's like, they thought we'd have car phones. Like, we actually did have car phones. Yeah. A long time ago. We're way past that yeah. now. We, we had car phones in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Exactly. We have computers they couldn't even fathom yeah. that are in our, hands. in our hands now. So We still don't have flying cars, though. But, but, exactly, since we can't handle the rules of the road without fatalities and accidents, yeah. I'm sure flying cars are still a pretty long ways off. Can you imagine oh, if God. we... Imagine, imagine, plane. imagine Sacramento drivers, but in the air. Exactly. It, no. Exactly. I'll hard pass. Hard pass. We do not want people in flying cars. You guys don't get it. Yeah, no. You don't. No. So, 
There's a reason that pilots are pilots. Yep. <laughs> They're very specially trained. I okay. want self-driving cars where people aren't in charge at so, all. So, <laughs> I'm putting a little spin on this concept. It's a stretch, okay. so stay with me. Okay. But what if I told you we're already living in the future because the year is actually 1721 A.D.? The United Wait. States declared independence in 1479, not 1776. Columbus sailed the ocean blue, climbed the mast, skinned his ass, and pissed all over the crew. <laughs> My dad used to tell, you, tell it that way, and I will always tell it that way. <laughs> in 1195, not 1492. And that's because we're actually living 297 years ahead of ourselves. What? According to the phantom time hypothesis, okay. our conspiracy for this evening. I've never heard of this one. Holy Roman <laughs> Emperor Otto III, Pope Sylvester II, and Byzantine Emperor Constantine VII conspired to fabricate the Anno Domini, or AD, dating system retrospectively for some pretty selfish reasons. He just thought it would be cool to rule in the year 1000, this Otto III, so <laughs> no big deal. Okay. So they just tacked on 300 years in the calendar mm -hmm. and made up a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. Theirs believe this was achieved through the alteration, misrepresentation, and forgery of documentary and physical evidence. Basically fabricating the whole Carolingian period, including Charlemagne and the entire early Middle Ages. Wow. If this theory is right. Then Wait, the Middle Ages too? Yeah. This is all fake. It's all made up if this theory is true. Okay. Now, I mean, Charlemagne is responsible for a lot. Mm -hmm. So... If this guy's fake, where did all this stuff come from? Right. So, okay. It does put a pretty big hole in history. The ideas were first widely publicized around 1700 by the French Jesuit and librarian Jean Hardouin. Okay. I'm so <coughs> sorry if I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> so sorry. I have a lot of people angry. Oh, God. This. Oh, I have a lot of German <laughs> names to mispronounce tonight. I'm very sorry. So, uh, but. <clears throat> this Jean, we'll call him, uh -huh. who be or who believed in um, uh, blah, 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 who believed most of the art and literature from ancient Greece and Rome were 13th century forgeries, and most of what we know of Greek and Roman history was nothing but fake news. Hmm. According to this guy, fake news. Fake news. So <laughs> the Phantom Time hypothesis was perpetuated by Bavarian cream pie. I mean, Bavarian journal editor, author, and publisher, Herbert Illig, in 1991. Okay. Illig was born in 1947 in Bavaria. He was very active in an association dedicated to Emanuel Velikovsky. We'll get back to him in a okay. moment. Catastrophism and historical revisionism. Basically, you can't, him, you can't tell him how history happened because he already knows better than you do. Okay. Before focusing his attention on the early medieval period, Illig published various proposals for revised chronologies of prehistory in ancient Egypt. Those proposals got a lot of media attention in the 1990s, but after 1997, he seems to have all but died off in the public eye, mm -hmm. <clears throat> except in Germany. Illig continued to publish the Phantom Time Hypothesis until about 2013, but okay. I haven't heard much since then. <clears throat> in a nutshell, he claims those 300 years were inserted sometime between 600 and 900 AD. Pretty old stuff. Yeah. Either by accident, mis misinterpretation of documents, or deliberate falsification. Okay. Another name that popped up <clears throat> in my research who worked closely with Illig was Hans Ulrich Niemitz. He's another German researcher who expanded on Illig's theory after he learned about the problem of fake documents in the Middle Ages. Historians have been plagued by a vast array of falsified documents from the Middle Ages, and much it was this, like this was the subject of an archaeological conference in München, Germany in 1986, which Niemitz attended. In his lecture, president of the Monumenta Germanae Historica, Forst Hermann, excuse me, <clears throat> it described how some documents forged by the Roman Catholic Church during the Middle Ages were created hundreds of years before they were widely embraced by medieval society. Hmm. That implies that whoever produced the forgeries must have very skillfully anticipated the future or there was some discrepancy in calculating the dates, which begged the question, why would the church have forged documents hundreds of years before they would become useful? Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, they, so they're, they're claiming that they forged these documents 
saying something happened like 200 years in the future. Like, think about that. So something we would forge now, we would think would be useful in like the 2300s. Okay. So that kind of, it, it poses a huge gap in the, yeah. like their own. So basically own they're writing something but... as if they were in the year 2300. So it's like yes. if I were to write a manuscript saying, talking about 2300 like it was present day. Because what he's saying is, with his hypothesis, present day is 300 years ago because they just right. tacked on 300 years. Gotcha. That's so, really weird. In his paper published in 1997 called Did the Early Middle Ages Really Exist? Nemitz points out that we can find medieval fabrications everywhere, from faked wills to history texts, land deeds, and relics and more. Because as we saw on our tour today, history is wit written by rich white men or whoever's in power at the time. Yeah, so they're going to color wins. it however they want. <laughs> yeah. So history texts can be uh, can be forged to is very true. fit the history at the time or whoever was in power huh. at, at the time to make them look good. We do it today. I mean, it happens. Yeah. You know, things are skewed in a certain ways. But I know, can trace ways. my family back to 1575, so yeah. is there like 300 years that just didn't exist in there? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so it's also notable that people didn't own clocks in the Middle Ages. They asked a priest if they wanted to know what day it was. So, like, you don't ask Siri is that real? anymore. But yeah, you used to, at the time, you would just go up and ask the priest. Because nobody kept calendars. Huh. The priest kept the calendar. Well, that's interesting. So he could just say whatever he wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's what the theory, like, rides on, is that he, the priest was just like, Because mm. the if the Jesuits picked, yeah, <clears throat> technically. Interesting. So, which makes sense that he would keep the clock. So Nemitz also acknowledged a caveat that during those lost 300 years, the Byzant... Byzant... Byzantine? The... Yeah, during those last 300 years, the Byzantium and the Islamic religions or regions were at war, which was very well documented. Mm -hmm. So that time right there mm -hmm. that they claim was faked really did happen somewhere right. else. So according to that, this entire conspiracy is just a Well, load. okay, now doesn't... Doesn't the Jewish cal? I can't remember if it's. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, isn't it the Jewish calendar that says we're in a different year than we are? We'll come back around to that too. Okay. Because there's a, there's actually several calendars. That yeah, say yeah, we're yeah. Different years. Okay. So, our earlier mentioned Emmanuel Velikovsky, mm -hmm. and he's worth a mention here. He's where Illig got a lot of his ideas. Okay. He once played a role in the founding of the Hebrew University of. Jerusalem in Israel and was no, a known psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. Okay. Velikovsky was a Russian independent scholar, best known as the author of a number of controversial books interpreting the events of ancient history, in particular the U.S. bestseller Worlds in Collision, published in 1950. His books use comparative mythology and ancient literary sources, including the Old Testament, to argue that Earth suffered catastrophic close contacts with other planets, and most notably Venus and Mars in ancient times, mm. <clears throat> or about the 15th century BCE. He hypothesizes that Venus was ejected from Jupiter as a comet-like object, hmm. and passed near Earth, changing Earth's orbit and its axis causing several catastrophes mentioned in early mythologies and religions the world over. Such as what? Um, I couldn't find specific examples, but it said 52 years later, it passed close by again, stopping the Earth's rotation for a while and causing even more damage. Huh. So that could be... Like the um, Ice Age. Could be the Ice Age. Could be you know, Noah's Flood. Like, yeah, the Great Flood. And mm. that kind of, kind of like <clears throat> absolute... like catastrophes especially if we're talking about old testament the right. entire old testament they're saying that that when the, the thing the flew testament. by huh yeah which i would think something as big as another planet flew by there would be you would think there'd be some documentation of it it would like, like wipe even, us out you yeah know? <laughs> you would think it would either wipe us out or that somebody in the bible would have written about it yeah that's that's a pretty big to do yeah. so anyway hmm. oh where was i then in the 8th and 7th centuries BCE, Mars, allegedly displaced by Venus, also made a close approach to Earth, causing a new round of disasters. After that, the celestial order was established, and things have been calm ever since. How convenient. Right. Isn't that kind of strange that we were, these things all were moving around, and we think that this was all moving around while humans were still around? 
Yeah, that seems a little odd. I just don't think... I think we were kind of in our spots yeah. at that point. Yeah. I we're mean, just, I, 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 it probably wouldn't be hard for planets to miss us, though, since we're flat. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> we're just a turtle floating through you space know, we're anyway. Just, we're, just, I mean, we're You know, it's easy turtle. to miss a flat two-dimensional object than yeah. it would be to miss a globe. Like, especially if we're thin enough. If we've been eating our salads, we just turn sideways and disappear. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, boy. So British astronomers Victor Klub and Bill Napier once noted of Velikovsky. I quote, Velikovsky is not so much the first of new catastrophists. He is the last in a line of traditional catastrophists going back to medieval times and probably earlier. Hmm. So he's like the last in a, like, since probably when this conspiracy first started in the right. 1700s. My dude is old, 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 old wor- world. Right. I mean, he's, like, way back. He proposed revised chronology for ancient Egypt, Greece, Israel, and other cultures in the ancient uh, Near East. Right. The science community says Velikovsky arrived at his proposals using the methodology, used comparative me- mythology, using myths and written history of unconnected cultures across the world and matching them up to what could have actually happened. Gotcha. Not an exact science, right, obviously. Right, right. But taking, like, myths and <clears throat> and legends that and, and that are, like, the same in other cultures and matching them up for the year. Exactly. Okay. And seeing what could have actually happened, that just these people recorded it in this way, because that's the only way they could right. understand it. Right. And continue this, the telling of the story. Right. So now that we've talked about some of the guys that are behind this, let's talk about some of the supporting data to this uh, conspiracy. Okay. The scarcity, number one, the scarcity of archaeological... Archaeological? I'm so sorry. (laughs) And my boyfriend just left with my water and hasn't come back. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh man. Okay. Maybe champagne will help. Mm. Probably not. I doubt it. It might make things worse. Well, down the hatch. (laughs) The scarcity of archaeological evidence that can be reliably dated to the period 614 to 911 AD. The perceived inadequacies of radiometric and dendrochronological methods of dating this period and the over-reliance of medieval historians on written sources. Okay. So there really isn't a whole lot of stuff that was left behind then. Now, that kind of sort of makes sense because I can't imagine those structures were terribly permanent. So yeah. There wouldn't be a lot left anyway, and we've kind of walked right. around a, a lot well, on Well, not surface. to mention, like, places like, what was it, the Library of Alexandria yeah. burned down. Exactly. And, you know, all of those historical records were lost, and that was, like, the largest library exactly. on Earth at the time. So it's like we did lose a lot of records for a lot of our time. Precisely. I mean, it just, just wiped out. There's also the presence of Romanesque architecture and influences in the 10th century of Western Europe that suggests the Roman area was uh, not as, uh, sorry, the Roman era was not as long as we thought, Hmm. like a long ago as we thought. Right. Let me reread that one. There's also the presence of Romanesque architecture and influences in 10th century Western Europe suggesting the Roman era was not as long ago as we thought. Okay. There's also uh, Illig and Nemitz about this. They write, We looked for gaps in special reports and publications, also for periods of stagnation or events, or strange events, repeated in similar manner after approximately 300 years. A gap in the history of building in Constantinople, a gap in the doctrine of faith, especially a gap in the evolution of theory and meaning of purgatory between 600 and 1100 AD, a 300-year-long reluctant introduction of farming techniques like a three-acre system, war techniques like the introduction of the saddle stirrup, and a gap in the mosaic art between 565 and 1018 AD. Okay. So there's like a weird stagnation in these 300 years that we just, like, couldn't get past something. I mean, think about 300 years and That's how fast things time. move now. Yeah. That's a really, really long yeah. time to keep Like, I mean, you, you look way. back at, like, how things were run in the 1800s versus how they're run now, and it's, it's like, night and day difference. You know? So it's, like, to imagine 300 years where things stayed relatively the same, that's, that's actually 
that's almost creepy to think about. Yeah. You know, because I mean, it's like, imagine if we were still living the same way that we lived in the 1800s, (sighs) you know, the same technology, the same, you know, I feel, I feel like I have a lot more to do during the day. Like I do have a lot to do during the day, but I I mean, I have a lot more to survive. Yeah. You you spend a lot of time surviving than you do now. Like I said, it's, it's just creepy to think of 300 years where nothing changed. Yeah. Just that's that's terrifying. So, hey, a conspiracy popped out of it. <clears throat> There's also the relationship, relation between the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar right. and the underlying tropical year. The Julian calendar was introduced by Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. It was long known to introduce a discrepancy from the, tri- the tropical year mm-hmm. of, of around one day for each century the calendar was in use. Right. By the time the Gregorian calendar was introduced in 1582, Illig alleges the old Julian calendar should have should have produced a discrepancy of about 13 days, but astronomers found it had to be adjusted by 10 days, meaning the AD era counted roughly three centuries that never existed. Huh. So the math doesn't quite add up. Yeah. Well, Julius, there's a reason he got stabbed. Let's just put it out there. Because, like, as somebody who is extremely OCD, it bothers me to no end that September, October, and November are not the 7th, 8th, and ninth months like they're supposed to be. (gasps) Because Julius Caesar had to put July and August in there just to to. be named after him. Yep. Narcissistic jerk. Just we should totally just stab Caesar. Just <laughs> <laughs> stab Caesar over. Now we're also not living in the same year either. Yeah. So, so he just kind Surprise. of like ruined everything. Way to ruin the party, what a Caesar. Jerk. What a jerk. <sighs> Ugh, well, anyway, let's talk about the facts against. So solar eclipses kind of ruined the mystery here. Okay. Especially those cited by European sources prior to 600 AD when phantom time would have distorted the chronology. Mm-hmm. Most accounts are pretty vague, but two in particular, one by Pliny the Elder in 59 AD and one by Photius in 418 have been confirmed by scientists. Mm -hmm. Also, observations during the Tang Dynasty in China and Halley's Comet, for example, are consistent with current astronomy with no phantom time added. So those do match up. The calendar system we use today is called the Gregorian calendar. It specifies a leap year every four years, except for years divisible by 100, but still including years divisible by 400. This mm-hmm. keeps us on track as well. Right. This uh, Its adoption in 1582 is largely motivated by the need to keep uh, Easter in the right place, which under the Julian calendar had drifted by 10 days. Oh, wow. Okay. The Julian system was simpler. It had a leap year for every four years, no exception, and was thus less accurate. The correction was ordered by Pope Gregory in the 13th century. Right. Also, if Charlemagne and the Carolingian dynasty were faked, there would have been have to be a corresponding fabrication of the history of the rest of Europe, including the Anglo-Saxon England, the Papacy, and the Byzantine Empire. Mm-hmm. It, this isn't exactly as easy as changing your age on social media. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I rolled in the year 1000. I okay. swear I'm only 25. Charlemagne or Charles the Great is widely recognized as the father of Europe. This theory claims he's a fictional character like King Arthur who lived in an imaginary time. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar, Charlemagne is credited with the uniting of much of Western and Central Europe Mm -hmm. using or during the Middle Ages. He was first recognized, the first recognized emperor to rule from Western Europe since the fall of the Western Roman Empire three centuries before. Mm -hmm. His rule inspired the Carolingian Renaissance and period of energetic cultural and intellectual activity within the Western Church. Charlemagne died in 814 after ruling for 13 years. That would mean his entire existence, according to this missing time theory. He never would have existed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who connected Europe then? Odin? Right. The Phantom Time Period also includes the entire life of Muhammad and the Islamic expansion into areas of the former Roman Empire and would have been uh, cooperative with the Tang Dynasty of China and its contact with Islam. In reality, Otto III and his merry band of time travelers and manipulators lived approximately 700 years after the birth of Jesus Christ, but never until then had the years been hailed after Christ. 
perhaps unaware of the era or the emperor, and without intending to falsify anything, they just defined one special year as 1000 AD, and everyone just went with it, fabricating 300 years of history to fill in the empty periods. Interesting. Wow. So, according to that theory... But the, but from the way you were describing it, there's a lot of science that proves that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially astronomy and, like, yeah. Newton's Comet. That's, that's kind of hard to argue. Yeah. But, that's still uh, really interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can see why some people could believe in that. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're really not into leap years. Yeah. <laughs> and you're really just not like... into leap years. I'm not into leap years. But if you, I mean, if I you don't wanted to do, do recreation leap years. of whatever year, I mean, it's supposed to be... It's supposed to be 1721, so technically the U.S. isn't even only Only 50, to... 50 some odd more years until yeah. we're a country. Yeah. Maybe we can get it right this time. <laughs> we're still having tea parties. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to go throw some tea into the river. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So, all right. Oh, super, super interesting. So, anything going on for you soon? Um, I've got, I'm taking a whole week off. To myself, just to relax. I'm taking a staycation. Good for you. Yeah, I just I, I need some time you to work just on kind your of... scripts for the next. Maybe I will. I don't know. I've got some episodes. cosplay stuff to work on because Me. I've oh, got yeah, a convention right. at the end of the month. So good. good for you. So I might actually get some some sewing done for a change. Good. But what about you? What's what's new? Oh man, just uh, just working and uh, working on another uh, couple of projects and stuff, and just getting the house in order mm-hmm. and uh, continuing to work on the bunker. In here. Right, right. And um, yeah, so just uh, staying busy and and keeping up with my pup. Got to take her out and go, we'll go somewhere fun tomorrow. It's our fun. day off tomorrow, so we'll go somewhere entertaining fun times being exciting it's been very smoky in sacramento i want to say thank you to all of the cal fire firefighters oh my god uh, yes and the firefighters from all over the world that have descended on california to help, to help us out, out with it it it's, please 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 save my state from burning to the ground thank you um, so much from you know from no, all of us for what yes, you do in any mean, way you guys can donate and, and i mean it's gotten uh, so bad that them. even my family back in south dakota is starting to see the smoke in the air i've seen i've heard of the smoke from here has actually reached new york so yeah, yeah it's starting it's, to drift across the country it's that bad thankfully we're starting to see blue skies here again but Occasionally, uh it's, but, i can't imagine the the families um and what they've lost up in redding and up in uh the shasta county yeah. and down on the Holy Fire and in Southern California, and my heart goes out to everybody. And yeah. we really hope everybody's staying safe. And um, yeah, so yeah. I hate to I hate to leave it on a sad note, but we just want to say thank you to them. Yeah. And um, everybody, stay safe and have a great two weeks. We will see you guys uh, next. Uh, we will see you guys episode. on the first. Yes. So stay safe and don't forget, Big Brother. There's watching. watching. If you'd like to learn more about us or read our deeper blog posts about our topics, head over to our website, conspiraciesencryptids.com. There you can find links to all our social media and all your favorite podcatchers. If you like what you hear, leave us some love in the reviews on iTunes. The more you like us, the longer we can keep doing this. And if you're really vibing off this little shindig and you're feeling generous, check out our Patreon. We have all kinds of fun goodies and extras for our devoted conspirators. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates. And don't Don't forget, forget, Big Brother is watching. watching.